0: Hey everybody, this is So Many Sequels, I'm Josh. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. This week on the show, we're continuing Animated August with Garrett's pick, The Great Mouse Detective, the movie that one Letterboxd reviewer said had the best Disney villain ever.
1: Right. The star-studded cast led by a legendary Vincent Price makes this a lesser known Disney movie to watch.
2: Plus we proved ChatGPT is no good at writing movies by trying to have it update The Great Mouse Detective where it's inspired by Benoit Blanc rather than Sherlock Holmes. I think we'll stick with the original movie on this podcast.
0: Yeah, we've got all that and more this week on So Many Sequels. Be sure to follow the show in your favorite podcasting app or on YouTube. Find us at somanysequels.com. You can find all our episodes there, including links to our social media, Facebook, Instagram, threads. Go find us on TikTok. We'll be there. Also, check out our Patreon if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash somanysequels. You can get into our Discord that way and chat with us about this movie and any other movie you want. That's patreoncom slash so many sequels and so many Without any further ado, enjoy our discussion of The Great Mouse Detective. I give you guys a little update on a, on a new movie I watched this week that I don't think we'll ever cover, but I would be remiss not to talk about it. I went and saw Strays. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, you I saw your Strays? Letterboxd review. What? Yeah, yeah but uh,
2: refresh my memory because it's so, one of those things. Where here's, here's my deal I wanted it to be the super bad of dog movies, right? Right. Is it?
0: No dang uh not even close um it's it's, it's just... direct it's from the from the director i believe or at least from the producing team that brought us good boys which was very funny i thought i actually really liked good boys so i had hopes that this would be good it was not uh it was it's so it's about um if you've seen the trailer because it's been playing in front of every movie forever um will ferrell plays the voice of a dog who has a really terrible oh. owner will forte uh, oh. but he's convinced because he's a dog that he loves him anyway but uh, he gets separated from Will Forte. He runs into some stray dogs played by Jamie Fox, uh, Randall Park. And oh, gosh, I forgot her name, but another. The, oh, uh, Isla Fisher. <laughs> no, no, Isla Fisher. Um, and they do their little stray journey. This movie was there weren't any there were maybe two jokes in it and the rest you were just supposed to laugh at a dog saying the F word. Yeah, uh, which is not inherently funny yeah uh the best joke that i'm gonna go ahead and ruin because i don't think you or anyone listening should watch this sh- watch this movie is uh the jamie fox dog is trying to tell the other dogs a joke and he goes knock knock and they all bark <laughs> you get it like that's a funny joke but it was the only funny joke
2: <laughs> it's a it got you does it surprised you it does up on you. triumph the insult comic dog make an appearance
0: no but that would yeah. have improved the movie yeah in fact, I was kind of upset because there were at times where um the will Ferrell dog i was i was actually like sad for him, he was yeah. being very mistreated, and i you know no one wants to see a dog be mistreated, so no it's very I was like in that sense. there were at times where I was like, oh, I am way more sad than I feel like I'm supposed to be in this movie uh when do the jokes begin mm-hmm So it's a one and a half star so instead
1: of instead of the super bad of dog movies it was just a super bad dog movie
0: it was a super bad dog movie but i will say, oh yeah i will say this is a dog movie where the no dogs die well that's that's nice so good that's (laughs) that's a rarity
2: yeah um what is one and a half one and a half on your scale like do you have a ranking system uh or uh, is it just one through five
1: I
0: One and a half for me is yeah. weak. Weak. Okay. I found See. it weak because it should have been better mm-hmm. with the team it had behind it and the cast it had, and it was very weak on all parts. Yeah.
1: Um, but, but you might say strong premise. Weak.
0: I don't know weak if execution. I'd say strong premise, actually. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> I think it needed a little more because the, the so the joke in the trailer is that he wants to go bite Will Forte's dick off. But, but like, that's not the joke. That is the premise of the film. His (laughs) whole goal, the whole movie, is to bite his dick off. It never changes. Yeah. Uh, So, and I won't tell you whether or not it happens. Maybe off mic I will if you ask. I feel like it does. uh, I will tell you that there is a disturbing scene where a dog is in the animal control jail and tries to reach the keys, hanging up on a hook with his... um, erect member ah ah which is also not a joke that's just gross (laughs) wow
2: i don't even know what to say to that um good garrett what is one and a half
0: That's (laughs) strays what does one and a half on your scale look like
2: what is what does that uh one and a half for me that's a good question i don't actually remember i think it's not too far off from um josh
0: yeah, because I think we all or we both originally just kind of mm, copied from one TV. and a
2: half is actually a coveted spot on my list. Uh, oh, one no, and a half this is... is my not good but entertaining uh, oh, place. Yeah. So uh, not having seen this movie, uh, I would imagine that if, if it was bad, I would find it to have no redeeming qualities and it would be there now if it were any kind of if it were the super bad of dog movies it would probably still be one and a half but that's okay because it's funny and i'm aware it's bad but it makes me laugh and that's all it really needs to do a lot of adam sandler movies are there
1: yeah so similarly similarly garrett i'm kind of between you so in my one my 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 rundown i have one and a half is either stupid (laughs) or so bad it's good so this is so covers, bad. It's good. Yeah, Because like sometimes it might be like, this is so stupid and I'm getting I'm like, I'm laughing at the at the effort. I'm laughing at the attempt. So like this, that covers movies like, uh, you know, Cars Two, uh, Wild Hogs, <laughs> you know, uh, Jingle All the Way, you know, these are movies that like I don't think they're very good, but I still end up laughing anyway. Superman three is a sort of the, <laughs> the pinnacle of so bad it's good because like the movies really poorly made, but I still end up being wildly entertained by it for that reason. Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I don't use, I don't have that same kind of like so bad it's good language in my ratings, but I think mine would be a two. I think two is my so bad it's good level. Mm. Mm. That's fair. Because uh, like fair. Stray's, I really wasn't even entertained. I, yeah. I, there were moments of laughter, but there were also moments of this 90 minute movie where I was like bored, like it was dragging in a movie that short about such a silly thing shouldn't be boring Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, is that technically an animated movie or how does that work um you know i don't know how they animated the dogs but there's plenty of humans and stuff in it too so and there are times where the dogs look real like they may have used actual dog actors for parts of it but i don't know i also then think they didn't put that much effort into it so (laughs) who knows oh i went and saw I, i went and saw it with with uh with friend of the show and disgraced former host, Andrew Nichols. And uh, it was he one of those, asleep, no, he didn't fall asleep, but it was one of those movies where like 20 minutes in, he turned to me and he goes, I don't think I like this. <laughs> <laughs> and it was right about that time where I was like, I don't think I do either.
1: Yeah. It was after a rough in, start.
0: We both went in wanting to like it at least yeah. a little bit. And we were really like air deflated. So anyway, I've already AM, talked about strays too much.
1: AMC A list. There you go. That, um, yeah, free ninety nine. For me, I had a I had a little bit of extra time off this week where I didn't have uh, didn't have uh, my son around, so I was able to watch uh, grown up movies uh, instead mm. of instead of you know Miss Rachel and Blippi and uh, he's got this new guy he's into called Baba Blast who. He's all about he's 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 a kids he's a kids uh, YouTuber who's only only does dinosaurs. He only ever does dinosaurs. Growing up, I knew a lot of
2: kids who fan. were obsessed with Baja Blast.
1: Oh yeah, Oh yeah, Baja Blast. Uh, you know, you I'm still obsessed Mountain with Baja Blast. Du, you know, Mountain Dew in there, you know? Uh, if you went to Taco Bell, you get uh, two Mountain Dew Baja Blast for a chance at twenty five dollars cash, and uh, that was a, a wild opportunity. Um, but it's uh, <laughs> anyway, like
0: fifty dollars today.
1: Yeah, it's true. I uh, so I watched uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I also watched uh, Bullet from nineteen sixty eight. Uh, both pretty good movies. Uh, for animation, August I watched DreamWorks' Shark Tale, which came out not that long after uh, after Shrek two. I also watched uh, Puss in Boots. So I covered some of my some of my DreamWorks movies that I hadn't watched. I hadn't watched Puss in Boots ever. I think Josh, you talked about Puss in Boots the other week, but uh, Shark Tale I watched when I was a kid. And then I watched it again this week and did not age well. I can say that assuredly. Uh, it may not have aged well then, uh, for all I know. Because uh, it feels like a movie. I was going to say, it feels like a movie that was already like eight years out of date when it came out. Like it was just, <sighs> I don't know. Not a lot of good things to say about it. Puss in Boots was better, but not like... Uh not like astounding in any way it was just kind of like yeah this kind of feels like it's it's a spinoff of shrek so you know it is what it is had fun there were a couple of really nice animated shots in it though some stuff i was like oh that's cool looking anyway well that's redeeming anyway we're about 10 minutes in here let's we should get down to the the, the nitty-gritty of this show unless Garrett, you have something something else you want oh you wanted to talk about some some upcoming animated films
0: didn't you yeah, let's. Yeah, uh, I we we do, I do want to preview that a little bit. You know, we're we are doing animated August this month, and that has included so far, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, Shrek, uh, and have we all? Uh, why do I feel like we've already done three? Have we really not? No, know. This, no this, is a, this will be number so three third. this week. Okay, well then this yeah. is number three, which is The Great Mouse Detective. Yeah. And we'll talk about that shortly. But are there any other movies, animated movies, coming out this year that you guys are looking forward to?
2: you know, I've got a list and it's kind of slim pickings and the ones that are coming out, I feel like they haven't really said a ton about. So the next big one that's coming out is obviously Paw Patrol. And as, Mm. uh, you know, the synergy people have been out there marketing the Saw Patrol situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't advocate for that one to be synergized, but, um, I'm, I bet this one will probably do pretty well with the kids. I mean, Paw Patrol. I, David, is that something Jack enjoys? Not yet. Luckily,
1: not yet. Uh, hasn't gotten into that phase of his. He I think he's vaguely aware of them, but he is more he's more you like just purely dinosaurs.
2: You just wait until the marketing hits for this and then we'll see what happens there. I I know <laughs> see, his he, his cousins were were
1: was really into it for a long time, but uh but it's not it's not hit him just yet.
2: Maybe when he turns 3. Um another one coming out in November is Wish. Yeah. Um I think that one is going to be Is that um is that a disney studios yes yeah Yeah, that's a disney one
0: um i'm looking forward to that one it the trailers i i don't know anything about
2: it i haven't seen a trailer so do you guys know much about it
1: yeah um only you know like the 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 premise has to do with um a uh i don't even know if she's a a, a princess but it has to do with this girl in this magical kingdom and she manages to wish down the wishing star so that can then then give also like it's kind of like loosely drawing on years of Disney's animation, this idea of like, you know, the wishing star, right? And so now the wishing star has come to life. Um, also, you know, it's got a and then there's like a king who wants to get this wish from her. So the king's played by Chris Pine, the main character played by Ariana DeBose. So already a pretty good cast going to be probably some really good singing performances, um, and then also, you got Alan Tudyk, who's going to be playing a, a character as well. Uh, love Alan love Tudyk, Alan and anything. Tudyk. <laughs> great and everything. Um, and
0: Chris Pine recently c- crowned best Chris,
1: best Chris by uh, yeah. by, by Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be mean. Disney's sixty uh, second animated film, uh, and uh, it's the big one for Disney one hundred. Now, I am surprised we haven't seen more promotion for it just ahead of that, but uh, but maybe they're waiting for like to really get that going towards uh, towards the beginning of November.
2: Yeah, Uh, And then in November again, we've got uh, Trolls Band together, which I have seen a trailer of. And it really does look like they just took (laughs) words spoken by the people from other movies and just piecemealed them together to make another Trolls movie. That really, there's no emotion behind any (laughs) of these things. It's just kind of like, you know, you know how in uh, Polar Express, people talk about the dead eyes. That's mm -hmm. what their words are. It's just
0: dead. (laughs) Well, now, that's Garrett. Yeah. I don't know if you I don't know if you know this yet. And David, hopefully Nikki's out of earshot or the or the topic of this podcast will change drastically. That's true. But but all the hype about the trolls movie is that it is apparently going to be an NSYNC reunion. Yes.
2: Oh, I have not heard this recent bra- recent breaking news.
0: That. Recent breaking news is rumored that InSync will debut a new song in the trolls movie, and it will be the start of their comeback. But unconfirmed—that's
1: <laughs> what they're saying.
0: Unconfirmed, um, but, but now I brother. only care about that movie for in sync. Interesting. I still well, won't watch it. I will just big. To the
2: song.
1: You've seen the trailer, and uh, Justin's char- Justin Timberlake plays the main character. One of the main characters, Branch. Uh, I've seen Trolls and Trolls yeah. too. Um, no kids were involved. I just decided to watch them, but uh, he plays—he uh, plays one of the main characters, and so his brothers come back. And one of the songs they sing is Backstreets Back, all right, I think. It's made up Backstreets Back. It's uh one of the one of the other Backstreet Boys songs. So that's kind of interesting that you might have Justin singing Backstreet Boys. But uh yeah, that would be fun. That'd be interesting. Uh I could have sworn instinct got back together for a awards show like 7 years ago and everybody was uh, totally underwhelmed
2: I vaguely I think that did happen.
0: Yes. I think they were yeah. all still old and fat at the time and they were like <laughs> Oh, we are not ready for this. And they'd spent several years getting ready for it. But also (laughs) Justin Timberlake is just naturally less famous now. So he probably is cool with it. I feel like he was always the holdout because he was too famous for NSYNC. Yeah, he sort
1: of has he dropped. Okay, we'll we'll talk about Justin Timberlake another time. This isn't so. (laughs) I know
0: I can't. We can't. We can't. We can't. Okay. This isn't
1: so much. Well, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to to Wish more than I'm looking forward to Trolls. Uh, But I'm also. uh, What was the other one you said?
2: There's Migration coming out. That's oh my, coming, out, that's coming out this December. Year? And now that's the one that had, uh, what? It, it's the Minions, studio yeah. or whatever that is. I can't remember. Yeah. But they Evolum- had a whole, yeah. like, look at all the movies that we've done yeah. preview for this preview. And now I will say they had a new preview. And it looks kind of interesting. It's a bunch of ducks that mm-hmm. are migrating. Uh, and they go through New York City. And some of the sky shots and the city shots of these ducks going through um, it was really interesting. So I think that it could look really cool. Don't necessarily know about the story, but I mean, it's got, uh, Kumail Nanjiani, Elizabeth Banks, uh, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael mm-hmm. Key, so, uh, Danny DeVito. So it's got a good cast too. So I don't know. It might have more potential than I thought it would, but.
1: Well, you know, if that does well, it'd be another, you know, decent, uh, run for both illumination and universal universal has been like the big winner this year in terms of, uh, studios at the box office. So. You know, one more for them. Get some more. You know, like uh, see if they can they can keep that going. Oh, Paw Patrol.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, Paw Patrol. And then the last one coming out December fifteenth, uh, Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget, uh, is coming out on Netflix. So, I believe that is a Netflix movie. Uh, it's I'm got interested. Zachary Levi, and that's looks like it that I at least recognize. Oh.
0: Yes, uh we we lost connection with David, but that's okay. We'll uh we'll, let him, we'll let him join back in. Um, He'll I yeah, I mean I'm looking forward to Wish on that list. The others are kinda of meh for me. I
2: know it's not super exciting. Not though, that, it's not that so we'll see. But,
0: um no. I agree. But let's go ahead and try to uh, get started here talking about your pick, the great mouse detective, Letterboxd says london's crime-fighting ace on his most baffling case when the diabolical professor radigan kidnaps london's master toy maker the brilliant master of disguise basil of baker street and his trusted sidekick dawson try to elude the ultimate trap and foil the perfect crime so why did you choose the great mouse detective
2: Yes, the Great Mouse Detective. You know, sometimes there are just things that you feel like have been a part of your life forever. Uh, the Great Mouse Detective is that movie for me. I feel like uh, growing up, we had it on VHS. This movie came out in 1986. I was born in 1989, um, so I had this movie on one of those big Disney cushy VHS. Do you remember those things, Josh? Yeah, those big thick ones. And so I always yeah, just those had Those are
0: the it- good ones on
2: VHS, just ready to go. And um, it was always just a, a very interesting movie to me. And and I don't know if it was um, the difference kind of style. Honestly, growing up, I didn't know it was a Disney movie. It didn't feel like a Disney movie. It was so dark and it was so scary. And it was such a contrast to what I was assumed was Disney. And I think that's why I liked it, is it was not a cartoon or a movie that I was used to um, it had a lot of different kinds of things, and it was fun, and it was a uh, mystery, which I'm always a fan of. Um, I liked Sherlock Holmes to some extent at the time, but I like mysteries more than anything, and so that's why I really enjoyed this one. Uh, plus, Vincent Price as Ratigan, uh, Oscar-winning performance. If they would have had any kind of like uh, voice acting, yeah, they should. So the
0: it's not a bad idea. Uh, yeah,
2: I know, but he would be an absolute standout and rewatching this again. I feel honestly that he is one of the best <laughs> villains that I've seen in a while. He's just that performance for me is so wonderful. Uh What he brings to it. And and so for me, I didn't have a lot of loss. There's no, there might be some nostalgia there. I'm really interested to see what you guys think about it. But like, for me, this movie has just always been there and always been one that I like. And after having watched it, I say, you know, maybe we revisit some Basil of Baker Street Mysteries. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned when you told us you were picking this movie that I didn't really have a relationship with this film, but it was kind of like on the outskirts for me. And that is still kind of true. I mean, I remember it existing and I don't remember loving it or disliking it. Um, it's just one of those movies that got kind of thrown in the mix. So I was really interested in revisiting it. Um, and my first surprise was how short it is. Um, they fit a lot. Well, I say they fit a lot. They really don't. I mean, it's a fairly simple story, but it's, it's well done, but it's only like an hour 15. Um, so that's. That's like bordering when, that's like on my border of too short, <laughs> you know? Like we talk about too long a lot, but we don't talk about oh, yeah. too short very much. This one yeah. might have been a touch too short, but I understand also like uh, it was harder to do long, uh, a fully animated film at the time. It was hand-drawn and whatnot. So I get that. Uh, so I don't, that that's all I can really say about my relationship to it is it just always kind of existed to me and I was curious to go back into it. David, did did you have a relationship to this movie growing up?
1: I did, you know, this was uh, one, like, I think, Garrett, you mentioned, you probably watched it a lot. Am I coming through okay, by the way? Yeah. Okay, I uh, loved this movie. And it's kind of funny, because when I think back to my time as a kid, it feels like I watched every movie that I liked, like, over and over. And I'm like, when did I make time for... Because, like, I remember just, like, this movie would end, and then I would hit rewind, go to the start, and just rewatch it all over again. Like, I would just... And I did that with so many movie, so many sequels and just watched them over and over and uh, still love it. Honestly, I go back when we watched it the other night. Um, like, I still remember, like the sound effects, like I still remember the cues, like just like the way like, so, like early on, you know, there's like a uh, fidget is, you know, r- wrenching at the door handle. I just remember like chunk, 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 like the way, like the just the rhythm, there was like a melody to it, you know, in my head of, of the movie. Um, I think it's a I think it's a it's a great I think it's a great movie it's underrated by a lot of people I think it's kind of one of those movies that it was it came out at the very tail end of Disney's kind of forgotten era um at least it was forgotten it was it was sort of uh, it it wasn't valued when it was coming out I think it, for me as a kid growing up in the 90s when VHS and home video really started to take off like a lot of my favorite movies are from this forgotten era you know uh, Robin Hood the Aristocats Uh, the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh uh, and you know the Oliver and company and the great mouse detective these were like to me some of my more favorite movies and then I go back and I look like oh these were not Disney's most popular run uh from 1970 to 1986. Um that said it changed with this movie um this was 20 this was Disney's 26th animated feature and um according to a few different sources this was kind of a make or break film for them if this one did not do well it might have been they might have severely undercut their animated release window. Um, we'll talk more about uh, about the impact this movie would end up having uh, later. I won't get into all of it just right here. Um, but yeah, I love it. Uh, I told you guys the other week that I still to this day, quote, when uh, Fidget gets his foot stomped on, I still quote when he goes, my foot, my only foot. Like that to me, just so funny. He's got one foot and it hurts. It's just uh, something about that just is a, a, a mind worm me anyway uh yeah fantastic loved it have ever since i was a kid
2: josh i'm interested to see your review as now like Mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. what was your what's your hot takes on this short animated mystery
0: i got some hot takes for sure one uh, i would die for dawson absolutely (laughs) he's so nice um he is so nice he is also very dumb and I love that about him. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, my one of my favorite Dawson parts is when he gets, or when he says hello to the gigantic doll statue. Like, <laughs> oh, like goodness. he really didn't notice that was a giant, Anyway, <laughs> um, and my other, and my other hot take is not a critique of Radigan as a villain because I do think he's mm-hmm. a good villain, but Radigan is also a bitch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> he is. He is. First of
0: all, how dare Ratigan fat shame Dawson when he is also a giant lard rat who has yellow teeth and is hideous? And you're gonna think... fat shame Dawson, the nicest rat and mouse in the movie? You know you're a bitch for that
1: i think we will <laughs> i think you will find that most rats are hypocrites i think that just goes without saying you don't meet a lot of hypocrites or a lot of rats that are like well i, I don't I, I, you know anyway uh
0: this is kind of funny because we this is what i second, don't like uh, also and i understand the timing and whatnot but do, look all the rat basically every rat but dos or but but basil <laughs> and the child were chunky yeah, they were, but they were all Dawson, early. Dawson had to have a shirt that was drawn too short. Yeah, Why are we fat shaming this knew. mouse? I would die for Dawson. He didn't deserve anything we gave him.
2: Dawson's great. No, he was so sweet. He's um, so sweet. He's such a wonderful part of this movie. Oh,
0: because another hot take, I could have used more of the uh, clock robot.
1: Oh, really? The queen? The the queen? The toy?
0: Yeah, it was cool. Oh, I see, like the inventions. I, I did. Mm. Yeah.
2: I, I like the toy aspect of it. Like um, one of the things that I mentioned was the animation, you know, again, you got to go back to 1986 and everything is hand drawn for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later, but everything is hand drawn. And so some of the things that they do in this movie, I just find really impressive. And, and one of the, I think it's actually a flower, but I wrote the onion, the onion ballerina dancer mm-hmm. who kind of blooms out and then yeah. goes uh, and dances. I found that was just really like a beautiful scene just because it's, it's so, um, simple and elegant and it's like a father making yeah, this thing for his daughter right. um and uh it's it's and, and again this movie opens again so dark uh you have that moment and then mm-hmm. you have this terrifying fidget who's gross and creepy and and scary all at the same time and king of jump hell. scares king of jump scares. he does so many I jump scares it. in this movie fidget I know it's awful and he's good at it because he's scary, but then he like kidnaps this father in front of her daughter and slams her in there and then everything is just, and then she's like found in a shoe after that. I mean, yeah. this movie is dark. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah. Fidget is uh, like you mentioned, David, he's, he is such a standout character uh, for me too, because he has so many uh, uh, funny parts, you know, uh, for me whenever he survives being eaten by Radigan's, uh evil cat felicia yeah uh, and felicia. she and, she you know she just he just flies <laughs> around in her mouth and that whole scene of him just like in yeah. her His mouth peg uh, legs sticking always, out of her mouth crazy. mm-hmm um yeah uh,
1: I I agree you know I want to I want to uh, not uh, building off of that I kind of want to talk a little bit about the voice cast um because obviously you have Vincent price right who's probably the most well-known name on this cast list and I, I don't know if it's possible. I guess who would have thought it was possible for an actor to chew the scenery in animated form? Because that's what this guy does. He's just so he over the top. And he's and, and the character, he brings it to life in such a deliciously hilarious way to where, like, he's, oh, Felicia, my baby, right? He's like, so, he's so, that top. was and good. There's the part where, yeah, I've, been, I've had a lot of years to, 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 I can do Radigan more so than I can do Vincent Price, right? But, nice. uh, there's a part too where he, you know, he he he's he's got Basil embarrassed, and he goes,
2: "Oh, I love, it, I love it, I love it, I love
1: it," and he's just like, he's just like, anyway, um, his song, "The Goodbye So Soon," uh, you know, underrated. He's an underrated Disney villain. Um, I agree. And uh, Vincent Price is a big part of that. Fidget is voiced by um, sort of uh, one of those kind of people who's like a forgotten legend in a lot of ways. Candy Candido, who was a big time. Uh, vaudeville guy, you've also heard him in a lot. You've heard him in a lot of other Disney movies. Um, you know, famous uh, to me uh, in in Disney's Robin Hood, he's the the alligator who's like Let the contest begin, right? And at this one, he's kind of like pitched up a little bit more as Fidget, where he's, uh, you know, and all that, and like cat I right? Doing all that. He just had he his his bit on vaudeville was having this ridiculously deep voice. Um, and then you've got. Uh, some, some cool Disney uh, crossover things. You got Alan Young plays Mr. Flabisham. He was uh, Scrooge McDuck for the longest time. And so you hear him when he's talking about his, he's like, don't hurt my daughter and all that, right? That's it's, uh, Scrooge McDuck there. Um, hmm. uh, we talked about Dawson, great, played by uh, Val Betton, who is just kind of a character actor, done a lot of theater. Um, I mentioned the, uh, the last week that he was in Shrek. He plays the minister that's going to marry Farquaad and, and, and Fiona. Uh, and that was his last film role. Um, Josh, this one's just for you. Basil is played by this guy named Barry Ingham, right? Okay. Uh, British okay. actor, done a lot of theater and stuff, but you would, you might know him. If you remember okay. a very specific episode of star Trek, the next generation.
0: <laughs> I might, he, he plays
1: the, the leader of a group of, uh, basically Irish uh people that were like colonizers and like the 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 enterprise beams them up because their planet is dying and they just cover the entire ship with like like it's like they were taken out of 18th century ireland for some reason and he plays the leader of that group and riker's trying to get it on with his daughter and they've got straw everywhere and he's you know it's it's a whole it's a whole fun episode but if you commander Riker, if you uh if you uh, i can't remember what the name of the episode is i'll get it to you later but if you want to oh yeah
0: I'll look it's into a, it later, see if I... I mean, his I,
1: daughter is not... I would take a run at his daughter, too. She's very pretty. Um, Ooh, another, uh, one, one last thing I'll say about the, uh, the, the actors is that you also hear some more Disney crossover. Some of Radigan's henchmen are played by some Disney legends uh, in, the na- in the version of uh, Wayne Allwine, who was the voice of Mickey Mouse for 32 years, Tony Anselmo, who was the voice of Donald Duck for several years, and uh walker ed uh edmondson who was a various voices for disney over time too so sort of snuck in there there's some cameos by some 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 other disney legends i think the funny part is that everybody's a mouse in this movie except for the henchman that played by wayne Allwine, who's a lizard right so if you look for the one that's a, a lizard that's the one mickey mouse is playing a lizard in this movie and he at one point when uh when uh what's his name uh uh Gosh, Bartholomew! When Bartholomew calls again a rat, and the lizard like, uh, "You're a big mouse," you can kind of hear a little bit of Mickey Mouse uh, uh, in the in the in the moment. Uh, anyway, so just a fun voice cast, and I didn't even know some of them until this most recent rewatch. I'm looking at it, and I'm going like, "Oh my gosh, look at this and that." Um, but yeah, it. What would you guys think? I think this is one of those times where like the voice cast is so good that like. But like they don't have to rely on big names; they just rely on good character actors.
2: I agree. the The voice cast is very good, and one of the things that the animation did with uh, Vincent Price was—you know, for me, it, it ends like Vincent Price is the the shining star. Everybody else is so good, but they're solid. Um, but um, Vincent Price is so different than all of that. And one of the things that um, they did in, in similar vein to Robin Williams' Genie where they kind of catered Radigan to uh-huh. Vincent Price. Uh-huh. Um, originally, Ratigan wasn't supposed to be this big, giant rat. It was supposed to be kind of smaller in, in his stature, but Vincent Price is such a big personality, and I can imagine him in the booth just <laughs> over-the-top dramatic like expressions to really kind of get into the character because I've read that he was such a big fan and really like wanted to be in this movie or in a Disney movie and, and to be this villain. He really wanted to make it a part of it. So, I can see him just really giving it his all. And then how do you not take advantage of that and create that character to that performance? I mean, uh, it, to me, this is, when I think of Vincent Price, this is what I think of, because this is the movie that I grew up watching him in and not the actual scary ones that I yeah. couldn't watch when I was a child. Um, and so it, it it really is so good. But I, I was noticing that, you know, Olivia, the, the, person, the voice actress who plays Olivia, she's so innocent and sweet. And mm-hmm. Dawson is such a kind soul. And then Basil is such a chaotic ball of energy that they all really do kind of balance each other out. And every single character really is charming, where I feel like I like them, mm-hmm. even if not the not Radigan or anything, but like at least <laughs> I like all of the characters. There's yeah. no character that goes, God, you just, I hate you. You, you make me not like this part. And there's yeah. always one character like that in a kid movie, it feels like. So I feel like this has a really solid uh, balance of characters. It does, it does. It could be, you know, uh,
1: it, there was the potential there for uh, Olivia when she's like, "Daddy, my daddy." It could have been annoying, but for some reason, you just end up falling. You just you end up feeling so bad for. Her. You want her to be. You want her to be happy. Sit, Toby. She's doing like she had a little Scottish
2: accent. It's very sweet. Um. I also liked a lot of the scenes that were in this. I thought that you, Josh, you had mentioned that the this, this story was kind of simple and I agree, but you know, a simple story executed, right? Is, you know, sometimes a success. And I feel like this is it. And one of the things that this movie does is doesn't, I mean, it's kind of a mystery. It's not really a mystery. There's no really mystery to be solved. It's a crime to be stopped, I guess, is yeah. the way that it seems. And so, um, I really like, uh, the action that they put in this. I think mm-hmm. the action scenes really help with this movie. Um, two of the scenes specifically, uh, for me, the toy store chase scene. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's a living nightmare when I <laughs> uh, think it being in a toy store yeah. and then all the toys come to life, but it's not Toy Story and it's not Night at the museum. They're there yeah. to hurt you. Um, <laughs> and then you have that uh, stupid jump scare of Fidget in the bassinet, which is never good. But then for me, when um, uh, Basil is chasing fidget up the tower and the getting out like that. There's just so much excitement and there's so much drama. And then the the clock's tower scene, which is uh, important for several reasons. But for me, that chase, I'm so enraptured in that scene. Like there's such mm. high drama and, and Radigan, he's shed his suit and he, you see him as oh, yeah. he's absolutely terrifying. Um, and then uh, you, you know, that he's chasing to get them as he's got Olivia over the top of big Ben trying to get her. And, and it's like, Oh my God. And she barely gets there. And then when they fall, you really just think that's the end because mm-hmm. they do so good of holding that moment. And it's like, wow. And then you hear that squeaking. And it's just like, ah, it's just such a good ending to, but is that a basically pretty simple story at the end, but handled very well. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, it is, it is,
1: you know, it is a mystery in the sense that, like, something's happening and they're trying to figure it out, but, like, the, the what actually they were doing, you know, I was like, how would how would anybody have figured that out? They, they were going to make a, a robot version of the queen out of toy parts and, uh, you know, try to take over, uh, try to take over the whole world. Um, but uh, I think it really is a, I want to talk to the element of it being a parody of sorts of Sherlock Holmes um, obviously based on this book series called uh, Basil of Baker Street, which um, had about, uh, let's see here. One, two, three, it had about five books to that point in, uh, in its run, um, starting in 1958 and then going to, to 19 uh, actually the most recent versions came out in 2020. Um, but there's only been about eight comp- eight, eight books, um, but it just, it, it does, manage to, I don't know how much it draws from those books, but it does manage to blend what works about a Sherlock Holmes story and what what works, you know, I think in bringing that to screen is that you can have uh, Basil or Sherlock be this sort of intelligent and uh, sort of at times charming character who's a little bit aloof to the, uh, in this case, uh, Moustum, uh element, the human element of his stories. He's very focused on the the detail and he's very focused on getting the crime getting you know solving the crime not necessarily saving the person right and so you bring in that missing element for him which is a dr watson or in this case a dr dawson and how he brings in the warmth and the human quality of seeing the person who's the victim and not just the crime to be solved and when you put those two things together you get a very great dynamic duo who kind of helps each other and like, yeah, Dawson's a little dopey, but, uh, but he's not, but he's also, but he has that, he has that empathetic, uh, sense about him to make people feel more comfortable and even make Basil feel, uh, more comfortable. It, it brings it out, brings something out of him. He didn't have before. So I, I, uh, I think that it's a really, a, a fairly well-written story, especially when you're talking about something that's at a kid's level, very easy to t- to digest. What about you josh what do you think
0: i i don't disagree with any of that i mean i do think that the uh, the story though simple is well done um one of my favorite bits about it is just the level of detail in some of the characters you know i gotta go back to my 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 boy dawson why he the man is a retired army surgeon who just finished serving in afghanistan that's too heavy <laughs> Why did, mm-hmm. that's, that's so much detail for a mouse, a mouse you know, universe. It's like, it really gives depth to the characters and that, yeah. helps, that also helps a simpler story feel more complex.
1: And it's great. Cause like the idea, like the mouse world in this universe, right. Is basically parallel in every way to the human world. Like they have an, they have a, they have an 1880s war in Afghanistan, right. They have a queen and they have all, they have gun they have tiny little guns. And they have even tinier little bullets. But there's something about, you know, uh, they the world shrunk down to that level. It just I think it just appeals to kids, you know, whether it's like Stuart Little or it's, you know, there's been millions of movies where the characters are tiny people or tiny people or tiny mice. And they use like pencils for for two by fours and stuff like that. You know, it's just one, one of my really uh,
0: cut It had to hit the cutting room floor, but I almost picked an American tale. Oh, yeah, right. that also came out. this Which year, is another AM. movie about mice living in a, you know, um, parallel world to humans. <laughs> yes,
1: with their, yeah, exactly. And it, again, also came out in 1986. Um, I'll
2: mention it in a little bit, too. Um, I want to squeeze in two things real quick. Uh, one, uh, talking about the element of this being a kid's movie, uh, I do want to talk about one scene that I don't feel fits in with that, and that is, boys, the doc scene. Yeah, from um. the at the <laughs> CD bar. <laughs> specifically yeah the let me be good to you song let you know mm-hmm. listen i'm all about putting things in for parents in kids movies right you got to yeah. you got to keep your parents entertained too you slip a little joke in there hey, from time to time hey i'm okay with that this whole scene was- <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know, I know it's London, Jack the Ripper times, but maybe for the kids movie, we tone it down a notch. I mean, that girl, that little girl mouse was, yeah. <laughs> she went from one outfit to another. without leaving. Oh, yeah.
0: Isn't that strange? Today you hear so many people complain about, um, uh, you know, content in children's movies being inappropriate, right. but you look back and it was clearly far more inappropriate even 30 to 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you just forget whether it's
1: mm-hmm. whether it's whether it's sexualization or I mean this is not the first movie it was the first, always there this was not the first Disney animated film to have uh, characters drinking alcohol smoking um, uh, hanging out in seedy places like you know even the I mean it's kind of funny because by eighty by my nineteen eighty six it feels like it's very late to be doing this but I mean you can make arguments that things that they did that Disney. Or other animated studios did later were more aggressive than this um and yeah but it is i don't know it's weird and funny and i'm sure it sparked a, 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 a segment of furries when they were uh when they were young uh it is a catchy little song i'll say that um it is but you know it's the other a big thing i wanted to talk fight, about fight knives and guns are going off yeah. and all kinds of stuff it's a pretty uh it's a pretty adult scene
2: the other thing that I wanted to talk about real quick was the clock tower scene because it was yes. one of the first Disney movies to use CGI, uh, and it used a combination. David, you probably know more information about this than than me, I would imagine, but it used a combination of CGI and the single hand cell tr- mm-hmm. to get that clock tower scene, and that was really one of the first movies to kind of do that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it, it, they, they, um, some of the Disney guys got to go and they got to make a, uh, they got to do a trip to to Big Ben and see the inner workings. And then from that build this uh, in the computer, build this framework that they could then, and they talked about how for the first time ever, we were able to like move a camera around in for, for an animated film in the way that you might for a movie, you know, we were able to like have it swing and, and, and move around and the characters weren't just static. And then, so yeah, they, they did that. They created the sequence, you know, colored and all that printed that off and then drew the characters on top of it. That's, that was the, um, you know, the first time they'd use CG for an animated film in Disney did anyway. And, uh, uh, it's not very long. I think the, I think while the big scope shot, like the big shots that you see are are very impressive to me, the most impressive is like when we mentioned earlier, when Radigan is just going feral and he's just tearing through his suit. And there's this, just like, it's like a four second shot of him just like scurrying through. Right. And you see like things like the light and you see the camera moves you know, like in a way that like animated films just hadn't seen to that point. It's only like four seconds long, but it's just like the, it's like the cameras tracked on him moving through, turning and ge- moving through the gears. It's just a really impressive shot. And it was a big swing and it, it worked out, you know? So yeah, it, and, and, and it's an iconic shot, like it really is. And it's so funny because we had announced we were doing this movie and uh, uh, Disney Um, Threads uh, made a special post about it like as if they'd heard us. They were like, hey, look at this. How funny. They did. We all know they listen.
0: We know they listen. Someone at Disney likes Watch, they listen, I don't know. Um, One of the last things I wanted to point out was more of just another funny story. Uh, I do think that Radigan is kind of an underrated villain in the Disney Mm -hmm. universe. But Mm -hmm. I also think... I think it might be because he's not as well-known. I don't know if it's underrated or unknown. Because uh, I was, again, when I saw Strays with uh, disgraced former co-host Andrew, <laughs> We he, was, he asked, you know, what are we doing this week? And I told him, Great Mass Detective, the man had never heard of it in his life.
2: What? Wow. I know.
0: And this was my reaction. I said, you serious? He was like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I pulled it up for him and showed him the poster, and he was like, I have never seen that ever. Wow. So... And then and I, that, then I got to wonder and like, and he's a little older than us. So I would think he would remember, um, you know, a 1986 movie a little better, but now yeah. I wonder how many people, how many other people don't know about it.
2: Well, let's get a great mouse detective revival going because I'm here yeah. for it. And honestly, in the, if we have another segment, I kind of want to talk about, uh, using something that I did for fun was using chat GPT to update the great mouse detective <laughs> where instead of using, um, uh, Sherlock Holmes we have Benoit Blanc
0: oh there you go there you go you know what I think that is where we should uh, end the review Jesus. of this movie uh, is, by, is by you telling us the chat GPT improvement the class, the glass cheddar
2: uh, <laughs> is actually uh, whiskers that took me
0: too long <laughs> <laughs> I was like the glass cheddar, cheddar. that's
2: cheddar. funny that's funny that's funny well done well done sir david i don't know you may have beat, you may have outdone the chat gbt i actually just did it so uh do you want to let's do box office and then we'll
1: come oh, okay back to this. okay That's um fine. all right and as a little bit of setup for this i, I kind of mentioned this in our, our th- my third post about it but this was a make or break movie for disney um they had had a string of underperforming movies critically and financially i mean some of them some of them you look back and it's like they did they you know doesn't seem that bad But they were struggling at this point in time and by the late by by the mid 80s. Um, So the Great Mouse Detective, um, these numbers aren't going to sound good, but you got to remember that in 1986, there were only about 2000 theaters in America, like uh, two thirds of what we have today. Um, The Great Mouse Detective opened uh, the weekend of July 4th, 1986 in the United States to three point two million dollars. That was good enough for the number nine spot behind Psycho 3, which who knew they made a third Psycho movie? Um, number one at the box office that
2: well, while we take a little short break, I'm going to go back to this chat GPT thing again. This is unfleshed, so, uh, it could be better probably, but, uh, while we were sitting here doing this, I was like, you know what, what, what would a modern great mouse detective be and who would we use? Right. Benoit Blanc, uh, Knives Out has really, uh, revitalized the mystery genre. So I asked ChatGPT to use that as its inspiration. So here's what we have: we have the title "Whiskers and Whodunits: A Mouse of Mystery." Here's the plot Whiskers
0: summary: Whiskers
2: and Whodunits. Okay. Yeah. Here's the plot summary. Enter a world where mouse animals, or where animals live and plot in their own enigmatic society. Meet Maurice Moss Whiskington, an ingenious and idiosyncratic mouse detective with a flair for solving perplexing puzzles. Drawing inspiration from the renowned Benoit Blanc, Moss is invited to Pausington Manor after the puzzling death of inventor Montgomery Pausington. As Moss arrives at the opulent estate, he finds himself in the midst of a diverse cast of animal characters, each harboring their own secrets and motives. The accidental death quickly transforms into an intricate murder mystery and Moss begins untangling the threads of deception that weave through the Posington family. Guided by his cryptic statements and uncanny deductions, Moss navigates through hidden motives and intricate clues left by the deceased inventor. His investigation forms unexpected alliances and uncovers dark truths, all while he stays one step ahead of the convoluted plot. In a dramatic finale, Moss assembles the suspects for a grand revelation in the Grand Hall of Posington Manor. With flair and finesse, he unveils the true sequence of events leading to the murder, exposing the murderer's motives and and the intricate plan. As justice is served, Moss's character evolves, blending the deductive prowess with newfound understanding of emotions and relationships. As it went on, it got broader and broader and less interesting. (laughs) Friends. Way to go,
0: chat. Yeah, it, it sounds like a little too much like Knives Out. <laughs> a little, <laughs> little too uncreative, uh, chat GPT. You are still well, not that good.
2: Um, can't write movies, sag actors. Can't write
0: movies. Yeah. Make a deal. Make a deal. Okay, anyway.
2: Yeah, all right. So where
1: did, well, I, did I leave it. off? Uh, you just told us
0: that number two was uh, something Karate Kid Part Karate two. Yeah, Kid two. Karate Kid
1: Part Two was number one, Ruthless People, number two a movie called back to school was at number three top gun in an eight in its eighth week was still at number four and the movie legal eagles was number five that weekend um for the year of 20 for the year of 1986 top gun uh, uh, top gun uh the great mouse detective would finish in the number 38 spot with 25.3 million in the united states um which uh was good enough on a fairly small budget for this movie was good enough to reinstill confidence at uh disney animation um this was the first movie under disney's new um, for a long time it had been walt disney productions that had been the name of their movie production thing uh, night ni- about 1985 they um separated animation into its own thing disney animated features this was the first film out of that out of that block and so like if this had done really really poorly w- disney may have completely restructured how they handled animated movies maybe not doing them or maybe only doing like one every 10 years or something like that. Um, but this was just enough of a financial hit that it re according to a couple of different sources, Disney themselves included it reinstilled confidence in animation at the, at, at uh, at the company and would end up leading to the Disney Renaissance of the late eighties and nineties Two of the directors on this are Ron <clears throat> are Ron Clements and John Musker, the guys behind the little mermaid. Um, Aladdin, the Lion King, and then, you know, eventually uh, Hercules, eventually Moana. And uh, 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 what was the other one they did? I can't remember. But anyway, um, like this had a, this was in many ways, we talk about it being forgotten, unknown. It was something that saved animation over at Disney. And um, I think if we if we look into other reviews, I think Roger Ebert gave it like, like three out of four stars or something like that. Like it was a fairly well-liked movie even though it wasn't necessarily the, you know, grandest, highest grossing movie of 1986. Um, in 1986, the highest grossing film was Top Gun, uh, bringing in $176 million, followed by Crocodile Dundee, Platoon, again, Karate Kid Part Two, and Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Um, the highest grossing animated film of 1986 was An American Tale, uh, brought mm-hmm. to you by Steven Spielberg, Don Bluth, and company. Anyway, uh, that's really uh, the most I have to say about this. Um, I will say that um, this is kind of a forgotten thing to me, or at least I think it is. Disney had a big kick in the uh, 80s and 90s of doing a lot of re-releases. So they actually re-released The Great Mouse Detective in 1992, and it brought in another $13 million in that release. So uh, total lifetime, it's like at like $40 million at the box office. Uh, that's it. I'll pass it on to the Letterboxd scam, which I didn't see this week.
0: <laughs> Good. Uh, then you can, you can play this time. I can so, win this week. Let's get, let's look at some of the most popular reviews for the great mouse detective here on Letterboxd, which you can follow all of us on, uh, individually and the show if you want. Uh, it's there too, but we're a little better at updating our own accounts. Um, All right. No context to this, but most popular view is four and a half stars. Maybe, definitely, the gayest D- Disney film ever made. Oh, okay. Um, three and a half stars. I'm sorry, the mouse was deployed in Afghanistan. Why? What was he <laughs> doing there? I
2: mean, I don't know For what For real, started. give me more about Dawson. Uh, I don't know
1: four, what in real life. Oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was going to say four stars. Basil and Ratigan are bitter exes. They are. Uh five stars dare I say it Radigan is the best Disney villain, yep, he's hardcore, and then finally, four stars, my first crush was Radigan, which explains everything <laughs> <laughs> so very unhinged reviews for this movie on Letterboxd, yeah, yeah. very uh uh horny on main, as they say mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. uh what do There's we think of the last?
1: There's something to the lovers thing. Nobody has a framed
2: photo of their arch enemy, you know? That's I've fair. That it, is that fair. My, that was on my notes. He had way too many framed pictures of Radigan. I was thinking <laughs> maybe it was the original, like, bulletin boards with a yarn all over the place. But no, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think the scorned lovers is the better idea.
0: So who is exactly. in last place to guess first? Oh, is it still me Josh, or is it Garrett that would be you, I
1: believe. Perfect. Josh, you are in um, last place, I believe.
0: Okay, well, um... I do think it's going to be somewhat high, although I don't think it will. I don't think there's going to be that many, uh, those unhinged reviews. So mm-hmm. I feel like it'll settle in the threes and I'm going to guess 3.6.
2: Ooh, that's a good guess. I was going to say three points. I was honestly going to say 3.5. So I'll, uh, go on under. You're gonna say 3.5.
1: Okay. I'm going to say it's a 3.8. Mm, going high. Well, I don't know okay. if that'll be right. I'm we got a hopeful. 3.8,
0: 3. 3.5, and then 3.6 from me. Um, going back to the page and looking at the score now, we have. it's been a while, but we have a direct hit this time. The movie is three point six. I got a direct hit. Finally, hey, that's
1: gonna there move you is. up.
0: Good, I, I needed think that's it. Gonna I think that's gonna me. help
1: you overtake Garrett.
0: I desperately I so. needed it. I haven't even had a break win, from the show, and I was he, that far back. Did you
1: win? Uh, did you win the game with Shrek? Did you win the Shrek game? I think
0: I did. Okay, All I think right. I'm on a two week streak.
1: Do i'll do the full math there in a little while but i think that puts you up to uh seven on the year now josh because you won last week you get a direct hit this week so now you're actually ahead of garrett
0: oh wow i'm feeling good finally
1: game changer two weeks i
0: should have never been behind him though that's the point he was gone (laughs) (laughs) i shouldn't have ever been behind him I know, he what? missed
1: like seven ep- seven, eight episodes. And
0: you won them all, I think.
1: <laughs> no, I think Nikki won one as well. That's
0: true, she did win one. Yes, you're right.
1: <laughs> um, But 3.6, I'm actually quite happy with that.
0: I think that's a good score for this I movie, so. personally. I agree.
2: Uh, I my my score is going to be a four-star movie. This is one of my favorite animated movies, obviously. This is my pick, but uh, it's a little short um, there's some bits and pieces here and there that maybe just aren't, uh, you know, the whole doc scene is weird. Uh, there's some other things in there here and there, but, uh, four stars is a great movie.
1: Uh, likewise, I'm going to up it a little bit. I'm going to go to four and a half. I think this is a really solid movie. It is like, again, very short, doesn't overstay its welcome, uh, scratches a lot of different itches, whether that's animation, Sherlock Holmes, or, uh, uh, just mouse movies. You know, I don't know. We should do a ranking of mouse movies at some point. But, uh, yeah, love it.
0: Oh, you're muted,
1: Josh.
0: That <laughs> sucks, because it was a great joke. I said Mouse March. We're going to do Mouse March oh, coming March. soon. Don't yes. miss it. Um, I am uh, going to I'm gonna side with Letterboxd to go with a three and a half, I think, for me, uh, because I still just never had the same ties to it, and I didn't really gain ties. Like, I still think it's good, but, you know. Yeah, that's I don't know. I'm just I think we something got a good spread here. It. So, yeah, we have a good spread. Um, let's see. We got four, four and a half, and my four. three star and a half. Movie. Yes, it's a perfect four. You're right. You're right. Um, there you go. So that's that. Great Mouse Detective. We got another week of Animated August coming up with David's Pick. We're talking mm-hmm. Surf's Up. Mm-hmm. I'm excited i think oh, i'm so
1: excited to talk i've about never it. seen surf stuff be... but that's not true but yeah no
0: well, it is true it. what are you talking about i've never seen it
1: okay all right well <laughs> i can't wait to talk about it it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a blast to talk about i think we're gonna have a lot of fun
0: i agree do you want all right it? should
1: i give a preview we have a preview last oh, week you're right give us oh, a, yeah, preview. Give a
0: preview what, what we can look forward to Oh, yeah.
1: you can look forward to so many references to, uh, you know, various, various things, whether that is, uh, you know, stoner culture, uh, what life was like in when this movie got oh seven, I think what life was like in 2007. We're going back to our high school days, boys. And uh, the, the just, I think the big takeaway I have, and here, I'm, here, I'm going to give you a little bit of a setup, uh, I think a good primer for this movie is The Big Lebowski. I think that a, uh, I think that uh, uh, it is a movie that just strikes of throwing things at the wall, and I think that's a, I think that's a good mindset to go in. So I can't wait to hear what what uh, what you guys think next week. Uh, a forgotten gem, in my opinion. Let's uh, let's do it, boys. Let's hit the water.
0: Okay. Um, if you want to, if you are going on this journey with us, I believe you can watch Surf's Up on Netflix. If, uh, if you don't rent or buy, so go check that out and be sure to follow the show. Uh, we're at so many sequels.com. And of course you can subscribe to us in your podcast app of choice. Just search so many sequels in that app. If the link is not on our website, uh, but links that are on our website, social media, you can find us on all of them, Facebook, Instagram, Threads, TikTok. We are all you can also find our back catalog of old episodes. We've talked about some of the episodes mentioned in this one and in that um, 1980s, what was it, seven? We talked about Top Gun. You can listen to a review of Top Gun. We've got a That'd whole a bunch trip. of stuff there for you. So uh, so many sequels.com. And of course, if you really love the show and want to support us, check out our new Patreon, patreon.com slash so many sequels. We're really wanting to kind of make that a real community with our Discord uh, integration and all that. So go check that out. Uh, it's, it's, mm-hmm. We've we tried to make it very cheap. Um, but if you support the show, uh, that would help us a lot. We would appreciate that. That's it. We'll be back next week with Surf's Up. Bye.